There were giants on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of Yahweh came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Yeshua said, As the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Are we living in the last days, similar to the days of Noah? Listen in as Bonnie Harvey interviews L.A. Marzuli and find out. To another edition of Days of Noah, when our days are going to get increasingly blurred between reality and uh, the other side, uh, and this this uh, partition between the carnal world and the spirit world, I think, was placed uh, at, in the garden at the fall of man. Uh, and now Satan is working overtime to uh, overcome that partition that the Lord put up to protect us from the other dark side. Uh, and with me uh, for, I don't know, the final time or not, I don't know, <laughs> I have her book in my hand is Vicki Joy Anderson. Welcome to the show, Vicki Joy. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Bonnie. And I'm I'm cognizant of the Vicki Joy because you added, you purposely added joy, or it was always your name, but you didn't use it. Uh, but when, well, you can tell us when you started consciously putting the joy in your name. It was a reflection of uh, who you were. But I have the book in my hand. I just received it uh, toward the end of last week. And I always have uh, the Bible study to prepare for. So Thursday, Friday, Sabbath, those are always busy days for me. So I didn't get to pick it up and start reading it until here it is, Sunday morning. And Mm -hmm. I I will tell uh, the listeners that this is a very enjoyable book. I'm going to go and into uh, how you can uh, purchase this book. It's available from L.A. Marzulli in a minute. But, um, you know, I'm an English major before I went to law school. And, uh, you know, the imagery in in this book is is um, for being a very sober topic, such as sleep paralysis, uh, Satan trying to weasel his way into the life of others, uh, it's very charmingly written, and and I've just you know a couple. There there are so many examples I could choose. I just was sitting here thinking, uh, well, there's one right there. Uh, so just listen to this for a minute. However, the human soul was not designed by God to be y- yanked in and out of one's physical body as though mankind were nothing more than yo-yos in the hands of male- malevolent spirit guides and i mean the image there is powerful uh here's another one actually it's just across the page sleep paralysis can become a nocturnal hostage situation forcing folks into the astral abyss against their will and uh, you know i think people who have been bothered by this and um they have had no answers if they read words like that uh they they can be reassured here is someone that truly truly understands uh that the imagery uh adequately displays the indignation of trying to be uh just jumped in their face by satan and and they were just minding their own business so um vicky a joy how can uh, people purchase this book yeah um it can be purchased exclusively at this point only on net. 
So just go to LA's website and then click on the store, the menu for the store, and it's right there at the top of the page. And that is where um, it might take a minute, I, I think, but uh, when you get the books, it is well worth it. In fact, I did buy five of them. We're going to share the books uh, for Sukkot. I'm going to read it first. And uh, so we can be prepared how to deal when we go to harvesting the earth because the, the what we're going to harvest, they come from all walks of life. And if people have never had experience, exposure, training in this, uh, it's going to be a steep um, learning curve. Uh, books like this can certainly help. Uh, so we're, we're going to read it and hopefully uh, just pray to be prepared for whatever we meet. Um, what uh, what uh, incited you, or not, that's a negatively connotative word, what uh, prompted <laughs> you? Was there any one experience that prompted you to write this book? No, it was it was just the, the overall experience of having been harassed by it for 40 years. And it came to a head um, when I was 40, and my mom had just passed away, and I was living you know, a thousand plus miles away from my home base. I had taken a job in a in a different city. So I was away from my church and away from my family and away from my friends. And so I was kind of in the perfect position to be attacked. I was in grief and I had a very stressful corporate job at the time. And I was far away from family and friends and um, other things going on as well. And so I was sort of just a sitting duck. And so the sleep paralysis was really, really bad at that time. It was very intense. It it was more intense than it had ever been in my youth, where in my youth, it was just very short um, experiences. I would call on the name of Jesus and it would stop. And at this point, um, things were manifesting in my room. Um, things were happening when I was wide awake uh, before I was even anywhere near going to bed. And um, things were, you know, showing up under my verse and I would, you know, Know, rebuke it and it would slither out of the bed and um at one point i think i had a sleep paralysis um experience every single night consecutively for five weeks in a row during this period i would call my dad long distance and he would pray for me in in the authority of my you know my father um as my as my headship and he would pray and this this stuff was persistent and um after that happened and i kind of got through the whole exhaustion of it um there was kind of a whole dark night of the soul for several years after my mom died and i i see now all of the purposes in it but i think when i got when i got through that i was like at that point it went from fear uh to okay you know what i'm sick of this um I'm rolling up my sleeves now. I am sick of this. I'm, I'm sick of this. And it was really never anywhere in my mind to to do anything beyond just finding the healing for myself. But as I began to pray and fast for real answers as to what is this and what is it targeting and what's, what's the purpose of this and why are so many believers um, experiencing this, it became very obvious as things were revealed to me that this this was information to share. Had you had a lot, what, what contact had you had with uh, other believers that had had this experience? Mostly in message boards online, because it's not the kind of thing, you know, you talk about family and friends because people think you're crazy. And it's a very triggering topic in the church because um, you've got 999 times out of a thousand, if you tell uh, someone um, 
in the pastorate or in church that you have these experiences, you're going to get some sort of a comment about how you need to find doors that you have opened. What are you doing wrong? Do you have a secret sin? Are, do, are you dabbling in some sort of a cult or witchcraft? Do you have some sort of, like, are you uh, promiscuous or are you dabbling in pornography? It's always very much, it's your fault. What are you doing to ask for this? And, and believe me, Bonnie, I, I'm not saying that that's not part of it. I'm not saying that there aren't people out there that are opening doors. Um, I'm not ruling that out. But when you're in my situation where this started happening to you at like three years old, obviously I'm not sitting there as a, as a three-year-old dabbling with witchcraft. And, you know, I mean, that stuff was, I was just a toddler. Like, what would I have known about it? And so there are cases where people are being targeted. And, you know, we did a survey um, during the pre-order phase of this book. And we had over 200 people fill out the survey and give us results. And not everybody doing this survey was a Christian or someone who was raised in the church their whole life. We kind of had the gamut. And one of the survey responses that was the most shocking to me was we had a question like, how often has this happened to you? And so it was like, never, one time, two to five times, you know. And then the last one was um, basically like, it's hounded me my entire life. Like it's happened for decades. And I expected that to be like 1% or less. Mm. It was it was 35%. I think it was 36. It was, it was 35 or 36% of people surveyed said that this has hounded me my whole entire life. And that, you know, I knew that sleep paralysis was more prevalent than we thought. And I knew it was more prevalent in the church than we thought. But I thought it was one of these things where, you know, people had it once or twice in adolescence, or they had it one time, like during a major stressful event in life. I had no idea that there was so many people who have been hounded by this their whole life. And letters are starting to come into me now, Bonnie, now that the book is out. And um, it is just amazing to me how many people are being so harassed by this that they're exhausted. Their, um, their jobs, and their families are in jeopardy because of the insomnia and the lack of sleep. Um, I've had a couple people contact me that are suicidal. They're on the brink of ending it. Um, this is a very serious thing. And so one of the things I really hope will happen with this book is I hope that pastors and youth group leaders and parents and grandparents and educators, people who have um, positions of teaching and authority and influence will understand that this is something to be taken very seriously. It's not helpful to say it's just a nightmare. It don't take your dreams so seriously. Um, and these are all things that I've heard. These are all things that people are telling me. You're crazy. You should go to a psychologist. You should be on psychotropic medication. You should have an exorcism performed. You should have a psychic come in. You should sage your house. I mean, most of the advice going on in the church is very, very bad advice. And it, it just, it reveals a complete and utter lack of understanding on this topic. You know, when I picked up the book, I thought, wow, I bet this is much more common than people think because as Satan is uh, upping his game in society in general, it's not just, you know, come down with me down this uh, murky dark hall and in the basement you'll find me. You know, yeah. that's not true anymore. Uh, you can find him on Disney. Uh, yeah. All these oh, new yeah. cartoons, uh, uh, you know, I just shudder at what yes. uh, children, little children are being confronted with. And in the schools now, all of the perversion that is openly pushed, advocated, 
uh, I mean, 20,000 children have been pulled out of the L.A. school district this year, Whoa. just now. Uh, parents are starting to wake up, but what's happening yeah. to the children? So, I, I, you know, when I picked up the book, I thought, wow, this is going to be a tsunami. And I bet she has opened a door, uh, <laughs> like the full closet door, and it all comes tumbling down on her head. I'm <laughs> certain you have another book planned. Yeah, absolutely. Ellie and I have already been talking about it here and there. And, you know, I don't know if this will be the topic of the next book, Bonnie, but it's really uh, uh, providential that you brought up the children because um, in my uh, research that I've done since publishing the book, so none of this made it into the book, I have had five people, I mean, I've had many people contact me, but five people, as I have been able to have conversations with them over the course of several hours, and they've understood like, okay, this is a safe place and I can really yeah. tell the whole story. I've had five individuals, um, three men and two women, uh, all come forward. They're all in their 40s, maybe 50s, 40s and 50s. Um, and they have all said the same thing. This, I was raised in a Christian home. I was never exposed to anything in my childhood that would have been graphic or violent. I wasn't allowed to watch R-rated movies. There, was, there wasn't rock music in the house. Like there was nothing that would have... Um, uh, given me an early awakening to any of those things. And um, over the, the five cases, the age range was three years old to seven years old in this three to seven year old period. So we're not talking puberty. We're not talking pre-puberty. We're not even talking kids who have even necessarily gone to public schools. A lot of these kids were homeschooled or went to private schools. These children had sleep paralysis experiences starting as early as three years old. And it was, in essence, grooming process. They became hypersexualized at a very young age because of what they were learning as they were in these altered states of consciousness, as they were having these nightmares, as they were being pulled into the astral without realizing it was just not just a dream. And they were shown things and they were taught things and they had very early sexual awakenings. And this developed through puberty into identity issues. We had, I believe, two of the five um, when they were in high school declared themselves homosexual and lived in that lifestyle for many, many, many years until they were, um, you know, came back to the Lord. But uh, that is why that's another reason why this is so serious. Not a lot of people talk about it, but there's also a lot of people who don't talk about it because they are so young and naive and inexperienced because their children, they don't even have a vocabulary yet. They can't go to their moms and dads and say, I had this dream last night and this happened like they we don't have the vocabulary for it. And so um, what's important for parents, I think, to to notice. And I, I think there's a point where we can go too far and we can probe to the point where we maybe plant ideas in our kid's head or we scare them. Um, but I think that what I'm trying to say here is if kids come to you and they're acting out of character, if all of a sudden they're scared to go to bed at night, they're not getting enough sleep, um, they're, they're, they're having behavioral changes, they're scared of certain strangers or, you know, like now all of a sudden my little girl's afraid of men or whatever, you really have to pay attention to these signs because it, it might actually be something going on in the subconscious. It might be something in the mind. It might be something in the nocturnal and the spiritual realm that's going on. I, 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 this goes back to the church saying, where is your open door? And, you know, um, I, I'm fearful and I am dumbfounded and I am 
very negatively affected by innocent three-year-olds who are attacked uh, by Satan in this, as you were, by your uh, early trauma uh, with all the surgeries you had because mm-hmm. of the uh, how you were born. Uh, and and that those traumas were the platform, the, uh, you know, the 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 trauma within you those feelings were in essence an open door for satan and i also feel that perhaps uh the lord is using you so he allowed this um so you could lead others into understanding and help and victory uh but you know others you know i mean that is so seemingly unfair ha- yeah. that that they could because you know we're taught that uh satan enters by your permission mm-hmm. well your permission might be outside your will absolutely and and have you and like in your in your case um have you established what was the um con- the consent in these other small children's lives? No, I haven't gotten, I haven't gotten that out of them. Um, you know, because if this does become another book, there'll be a lot more interviewing. And yes. um, in my case, because obviously I've been thinking a lot about why did this thing come to me? And it could have happened before I was three, Bonnie. Three is just the first time I, I remember it. And the reason I remember it is when something is very, very traumatic, you do remember it. And when something like this happens to you, it stands out. And I just I remember what house I was living in because I remember when my mom came to my room. I remember what room I was in and I know how old I was when we lived in that house because we moved around a lot. But um, what happened to us is um, my my mom and dad had me when I was when they were 26 and they had I have an older brother, too. So uh, they were 26 when they had me. They were married at 19. Um, My my dad job at about 28 or 29 years old. This was back in the in the 70s. He got offered a job that was like a six figure job. And to make six figures back in the 70s in your 20s. And I mean, my dad got his GED in the Air Force. Like this guy was not like, you know, on the honor roll and college PhD kind of a guy. Right. So. So this was sort of an opportunity for him to kind of overcome his traumas. You know what I mean? Like I'm getting offered at 29 years old, this, this high paying job, this with this fortune 50 company, like, and so he prayed about it and he determined that God was saying, do not move to this state and take this job. And my dad freely admits that in his youth and in his stupidity, he took the job because he could not resist the temptation of all of that prestige and the money and the opportunity and the, you know, all that. So we ended up being uh, in that state for one year and we rented a home while we were there. Well, we found out later because my brother started having night terrors there. He would sleepwalk into traffic. My mom would, grace of God, wake up in the middle of the night and check on him and he'd be gone and he'd be in the middle of the street. And he was having night terrors. And so I sort of um, was really flying under the radar and unprotected because my parents were giving so much attention to these night terrors that my brother was having. Um, and because I didn't really say much about what was going on with me, um, I don't think they really even knew what was going on. But anyway, long story short... Lots of things happened in that house. And we did find out after we moved, a neighbor had written a letter to my mom and said, all the neighbors are curious. Did anything weird ever happen in that house? And my my mom's a pretty private person. So she kind of said, well, I don't know. What do you mean? Like she didn't want to, you know, give away the farm. Right. And so 
Uh, the woman ended up writing back and saying, well, you rented that house from a satanic high priest. And we've heard all sorts of rumors about the rituals they do in the basement. We're just curious if there was anything weird in the house. Whoa. And and so, of course, you know, there was a lot of stuff weird in the house. And so I think, um, you know, my forewarning to, to, to parents, like if you're the head of a household, if you have authority over your household, if you're a husband, if you're a father, those little things that you do in secret, those little temptations you give into, those little compromises you make, your wife and your children are in danger. Those things you just, you go to Sunday service and you pray your little confession prayer and your slate gets wiped clean and everything's cool, um, your family is in danger. So and all of this started when you moved into that uh, satanic high priest's home. We think so. We think that's when it started. Yeah. Ah, oh, my goodness. Well, um, you know, I pray then, uh, wow, <laughs> that that is scary. Um you know, you were going to, you wanted to mention the difference between um, Christian meditation and satanic meditation. And I know that many churches are turning to meditation as a, a spiritual, emotional help. Would you, would you help us to understand yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. One of the very clever things that our current culture is doing, and I think this is actually a Marxist theology, and that is that if you want to change a culture, you start by manipulating their language. It comes through linguistics. And one of the things that the occult has done a beautiful job of doing is taking biblical terms and biblical concepts and then adopting that term and then there's this gray area now where um, when you say a word, Christians think it's one thing and it, it's really something else. It's, it, it has an esoteric meaning. But meditation is one of those things. Meditation is obviously a biblical word. It's all over in the scriptures. King David uses it uh, 30 times at least in the Psalms. And we know that um, meditation is a biblical concept. But when we drop the preceding adjective, uh, there's confusion. So Eastern meditation is not the same thing as biblical meditation. And unfortunately, I'm seeing that a lot of, quote, Christian meditation is following the Eastern meditation model, not the biblical model. If you go to the Psalms, if you do a word study on the word meditation, uh, you'll get about 30 entrances in the Psalms. And what the psalmists say is, I will meditate on your works. I will meditate on your law. I will meditate on your precepts. I will meditate on your goodness. I will meditate on your glory. It, it is a cognitive, wide awake, cerebral activity. It's a, it's a part of our devotional life. When we journal, when we memorize scripture, when we recite scripture that we've memorized, when we pray, when we worship, this is all the biblical definition of meditation. And when we meditate, it is an act of looking up, bringing glory and honor to Almighty God. It is not biblically about de-stressing, not about anxiety. It's not about taking deep breaths. It's not about breathing through your nose and wiggling your toes and closing your eyes. Um, when you do all that, you can fall into altered states of consciousness. And sleep paralysis, that's that's what's going on. Um, you have an opening into the spirit realm during those moments as you fall in and out of sleep. There's There's brief moments as you go to sleep and as you wake up where you're in an altered state of consciousness. You're somewhere in between falling asleep and waking up. And you're doing the same thing when you meditate. You're putting yourself into this deep state of relaxation. Uh, uh, it's a form of an altered state of consciousness. That is not our meditation is a wide awake 
cognitive, interactive, awake for the glory of God, not for the, you know, our, our stress relief comes from glorifying God and then he strengthens us. It doesn't come from these deep relaxation techniques. Very dangerous. Yes, I hate to let you go, but we're out of time, uh, Vicki Joy. Uh, 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 would you be willing one more time to get together? Because you're, 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 I mean, you're firsthand, you're literate, uh, you're trying to help others, uh, you're just a jewel. So um, I, I hopefully uh, we can have you back. In the meantime, please go uh, to, is it um, lamarzuli.net? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, where, where they can uh, get your book and uh, be the uh, just it, it, it's going to be a treat to read. And I'm looking forward to your next week. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thank you so much, Vicki Joy, for the help and insight. Thank you.